Hey, everybody, welcome to BeautyCast Network's Mastering Beauty, a podcast for beauty, barbering, and wellness professionals looking for successful, sustainable, and satisfying careers. Tune in every Sunday to hear conversations with brilliant professionals from across the industry offering their best advice on a variety of topics. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And today, I've got one of those brilliant people with me, one of my favorite brilliant people in the entire industry, Paula Peralta, Los Angeles-based hairstylist, curly hair specialist, and colorist. Paul Mitchell, artistic director, Vigaro brand partner, studio owner, and a fellow podcaster. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Welcome to the BeautyCast Network podcast, my friend, Paula Peralta. Hello, Gordon. Hello, everyone. I love just the intro of that. A sustainable, successful, and satisfying career. Yes, please. Yes. And, and, and you know what? Satisfying. I, I really feel strongly about including that word. I don't think we say it enough when we talk career. For sure. I think it's interesting because I think even for me as a hairstylist starting out, I didn't really even know, one, what was available in the beauty industry. And two, I really didn't have any clarity on what it was that I wanted to do when I first you know, got started. And I think that is probably changing mm-hmm. with these younger generations. Um, but I think still, like you don't know what you don't know. And the more... The, the more sustainable your career, the more you start to realize the opportunities for satisfaction that you may not have known when you first started out. Oh, I loved how you just kind of pieced that together so nicely. <laughs> that, was, that was good. And, and, you know, you are right. There is so much more information available today, but I often feel there's too much information, especially to someone who doesn't know the industry, because with social media in particular, like all the success stories become so big. I mean, and I don't mean bigger than they are, but they're just so present or so in front of us. And it's so easy. I think sometimes as we are working your way into your career, maybe to feel less than because you're seeing what you think is really fast success, which there might be more to that story. I think it's interesting. I mean, and we talk so much about social media, but it's like, you have to remind yourself that you're seeing the highlight reel. So whether that's online and social media, or whether that is, you know, at a hair show, like you're seeing the highlight and the culmination really of probably a lot of years of work that someone has gone through in order to get to the point where they're not only on the stage, but they're able to deliver a message effectively and also do hair while they're talking about that message and also, you know, engage with the audience. Like it is definitely a, a curated and a, a cultivated skill set. And I think that's the the thing that is really valuable about getting clear on what it is that you'd like to create, because then you're able to really direct your energy at like creating the thing that, that, you know, lights you up. I love that. Before I ask you your first question, I have to give you kudos for your new podcast because you're doing it in ways that are so different than everybody else. It is the Paula Peralta show. I hope everybody will Google that. And before you say anything, you know, I love artificial intelligence. So I I put you in there um, by way of the Google version of AI. And here's what it said. And I'm amazed because, you know, so it's, it's so smart. Paula Peralta Show is a popular talk show and podcast hosted by Paula Peralta. The show features a mix of in-depth interviews, thought-provoking discussions, and entertaining segments. I will add here, all true. Each episode includes exclusive celebrity interviews, when you have somebody who's a celebrity, I guess, inspiring journeys, discussions on hot topics. You bring a fresh, dynamic approach to the world of talk shows and podcasts. Yes, yes, (laughs) and yes to everybody. Go check it out. So congrats. 
Thank you so much. It has truly been a labor of love. Um, I had the opportunity to, as a Vagaro brand, brand partner, part of the agreement was that I would start a podcast. And at first I thought I wanted, they just wanted me to be on their podcast. I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. And I think we got like to the final contract signing and they were like, no, no, this is going to be your podcast. And so once I let that seep in. I started to look at it and was like, okay, then if this is my creation, what do I want it to look like? And what are the non-negotiables? Um, and, and one of it was, and thank you for acknowledging like the, that it's well done, was that I wanted it to be well done. And I wanted it to feel like it was just people that I enjoyed, which it is like friends of mine in my, you know, in my setting, we were t- sitting together face to face. That in-person element was really important to me. And then I think across the board, just the aesthetic, I wanted it to just feel like me and feel really authentic. And um, my producer, Sebastiano Ropeza, who's like a whiz with just like marketing and tell and storytelling from a visual standpoint, um, he really like took it and ran with it. And um, yeah, we're in the first season. We've released, I think, 10 episodes so far. Um, I don't know when this goes to air, but we've by the time this goes to air, we maybe will have the whole episode out. But um, yeah, it's, it's been incredible and it's, I've grown a lot. I've learned a lot. And, you know, that's the fun thing about being in the industry for a while. You try something new and you learn something new. <laughs> well, and I just recorded this morning, a podcast on my other channel, social beauty makers. Uh, I did a podcast about podcasts and in it, I just kind of talked about how powerful I think podcasts are today in the beauty industry. This is a great example. I, I think there's more business education happening on podcasts than there is in any other space in the industry, including live education. The numbers are, are astounding, to be, to be honest. Um, I also, though, and, oh, by the way, I gave a list of my top 10 favorite podcasts. You made the list. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Thank you so much. That is an honor, though. I just want it to be fair. Like, for you, even the moment... I hear you say that, like, I'm doing it well. I'm just like, oh, my goodness, Gordon thinks I'm doing it well. (laughs) Stop. stop. But I also say in the podcast, I'm not really a fan of video podcasts. And and that's for one really simple reason. Most video podcasts are kind of like you and I are right now, which people don't see because I don't do video podcasts. But we're on Zoom recording audio and we can see each other. So we're two little boxes, right, on our screens. Most of the podcasts that are visual, that are using video, which is a lot of them, that's what you see. You see a Zoom call with two faces. And I'm like, it's annoying. I'd rather walk my dog and listen than have to sit here and watch. You're the exception to my rule because you, again, visually, you nailed it with the aesthetic. You're doing a production value on a podcast that I don't know anybody in the industry is doing. And it's a game changer. And to be honest, I don't listen to you while I'm walking Cody. I come back and I sit with YouTube and I watch the Paula Peralta show. Thank you so much. I know this isn't a video podcast, but hopefully if you're listening, you can hear the giant smile that's on my face. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's jump. Let's jump into our talk. We start start with best advice. and, And I love to ask guests to give us the best advice someone has given to you. You've, you've had a long career. We'll jump into that in a minute, but just, just share something you think would be of value to the audience. Uh, So the best piece of advice that I ever received was from my very first mentor, Lucy Dowdy. Um, I love Lucy. Yes, she's incredible, like so creative and talented. And um, the thing that she always used to tell me is like, don't be a flash in the pan. And what she meant by that was like, it's so easy to try to like make almost like a cash grab for lack of a better word for like 
the thing that's going to make you look like a bigger superstar, make you look like a celebrity or make you, um, you know, it'll give you kind of this momentary sort of, um, you know, celebrity status and in the industry or really in life. And she just was like, you have to look at longevity and sustainability. And what is something that is actually true and authentic to you that you can continuously show up for years and years and years to come. And it's not just like a one and done. Um, and it's, I mean, there's so many, I think other interpretations of that idea of like, don't be a flash in the pan. Um, but it's so easy to, to like, look at the shiny new thing and like try to grab for it, or that's what everyone else is doing. And so I'm going to try to jump on that bandwagon, but it's like the more, the more clear you can be on who you are and what it is, that you bring to the industry, to the world, et cetera, the easier it is to sustain over a long period of time in a really excellent way. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, you know, having been at this for a while and knowing an awful lot of young people as they were coming into the industry, I didn't meet too many people who I didn't have a sense wanted to be in this for the long haul. And yet when I look at the statistics, I know that most don't get to be in it for the long haul and they leave for all kinds of reasons. And that always disappoints me. So this kind of career as a journey to me is a really big idea. And I think it's just so important that we have kind of clarity of purpose. You know, we, we remember why we started what we started and, and don't get too distracted by shiny things. Yeah, for sure. And I think it can be really, um, confusing when you're first coming into the beauty industry. Because for me, I always tell people, I didn't realize that there was something beyond just working behind the chair in the salon, not just working behind the chair in the salon, but working behind the chair. Like I didn't realize that there was education and photo shoots and yes, like red carpets and celebrity styling and all of those things. And those are the things that look super sexy, but I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that that was a possibility. And so when I went into cosmetology school, I started to look at trade magazines, like American Salon was one of them, Modern Salon. Like, and I remember seeing um, a, an editorial that Lucy had done and it really just like blew my mind and opened this whole other world of like, wow, what is this? How do I, how do, I do this? Um, and so that, you know, led to, to working on set, which then led to my partnership with Paul Mitchell. And, you know, now, you know, 13 years later, 15 years later as an artistic director, um, you know, so, and then again, that left led to more like brand deals with, you know, for example, like the Bagaro partnership and things like that. So just, it all just melted into each other, but I was, I'd stayed the course and I kind of kept my foundation around me, which was, you know, obviously styling hair and then also working behind the chair in the salon and that fed into every other area that I've been able to, you know, generate revenue from and build my career. I'll also add, you know, it's not a one size fits all industry. There's so many varied opportunities. I have friends who've worked behind the chair for their entire career. Some of those careers being 30 plus years and love every bit of it. They have grown in their role behind the chair. It's, it's hard to do anything for 30 years if you're not growing and you can grow in that role in many ways, depending on, how you choose to, to do the work that you do or where you choose to do the work. I, I've had friends who have gone from behind the chair into ownership or into independence. And that's as far as they wanted to go. And they've done it very, very successfully. And then people like you who've had this really, you know, kind of um, winding road of a, of a journey in beauty and, and one that just, you know, uh, I know you're always joyful is, is a word I'm going to grab, you know, to, 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 to talk about you. And, and, you know, we've known each other a, a good while now. And that's how I think of you. Every twist and turn in your career, at least what I see is, is someone who's pretty joyous in their work. 
Well, I think, thank you for that so much. Yeah, I mean, I think I met you when I was a future professional. So I was in hair school when we first met. But Yikes. Um, the thing that's interesting is even if you take just, we'll say my my career working behind the chair, right? So I started off working in a commission salon for another hairdresser. And then I went on to work in another commission salon and eventually became the owner of that salon. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and I went into a private studio and then, you know, shifted into another studio. And I'm now working behind the chairs an independent stylist in my own private studio. And, and even the windingness of that, it's like, I couldn't have predicted any of that. (laughs) Like I didn't have a drive to become a salon owner or to work as an independent stylist or whatever that is, but it, it just all started to show up. But I love that you mentioned the thing about the joyousness because I also don't really have a point of view about where I'm going to end up. I want to continue to contribute to the beauty industry and connect with hairdressers and educate where I can and um, you know do do what I can to to elevate the industry. And also, I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, right now it's like just having gratitude and continuing to show up. And and when the opportunity comes, if it feels good, then I then I'll keep moving forward. Um, I recently took a class with Camille Friend, who, um, if you don't know who she is, she is she's basically done like every amazing movie. Wakanda Forever is probably like the late, like an award-winning hairdresser. She did like The Little Mermaid. She's just incredible. And I took a class from her recently. And she in the class said, you know, ego aside, there's literally nowhere else for me to go. She's like, I've won all the awards. There are no bigger movies for me to do. And she's like, and so I educate and I elevate the industry in that way because it's what I can do. And it just really struck me because it's like, it started me, it started me down the path of like, if I reached the top, quote unquote, whatever that looks like, like, what would that look like for me? Because right now I'm educating, I'm behind the chair. I, you know, I had clients walking the red carpet on the Met Gala this year. Um, I have a podcast, right? Like I've got all of these things going on. So like, what does it look like in each of those areas to like get to the top, to be able to say like, there's really nowhere else for me to go. And so now I'm just going to really focus myself and dedicate to building the industry. And um, I don't have an answer, but I, I will tell you that the more the more fun I'm willing to have with it. It's like the faster that sort of thing starts to show up. Fun. You know, it's, I think a big and important word in career and and just like life, you know, careers have their ups and downs. Um, For me, you know, I've been doing this for 40 plus years. I applied for a job in 1978 and I've had maybe, I think eight jobs over the course of my career, but I never applied for another one. And, but I was also just kind of open to where my career was going to take me once I settled on the idea that this was the industry I belonged in. I didn't know where, again, it was going to take me necessarily over time, um, but I was open to that. And more importantly for me, I was really committed to not leaving beauty. And so I don't don't know how you feel about that kind of thinking, but. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. It's easy, I think, on either way, either side of that to pigeonhole yourself. Like, so I'm a hairdresser. What, like, what else would I do? If I, if I didn't do hair, like, where would I go? But I'm in a little bit of a unique situation because this is actually a second career for me. Like, I went through a traditional, I went to university, and then I had a whole other career actually in the construction industry for about five years. Um, I didn't so, know this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually, so I got laid off in two, in like 2009. There was a, when there was that major recession uh, working in like multifamily housing. And so there was no more funding because we were in a recession. And so I got laid off and I had a friend who was making 
as much money as I was making. And I was making like six figures at the time, but working, you know, insane hours because construction never stops. And she was working like three days a week as a hairdresser. And she was like, I think you'd really like this. You should, you should see about it. So I went and took a tour of a school and I was like, oh, this actually seems really amazing. And to be honest, it was recession proof. And so I was like, okay, well, what if I tried this? And I actually fell in love. And like I said, found some incredible mentors and, um, you know, it was, it was, it was all easy going for, well, not easy going, but it was just like forward path forward from there. Um, and so when back, going back to your original comment for me, it's like, you can always pivot. Like you can always do something different, whether it's like you offer all salon services and then you really start to focus and maybe you only offer color, hair color, haircutting or extensions or whatever that is. Like maybe it's just blonding services Mm -hmm. or, you know, like you can always adapt. And that's really the value also of education is that no matter how far you are in your career, I would say I'm taking, I'm doing more education now, like fully advanced into my career where I would say I'm established hairstylist like than I ever have before because for years I was ta- I was giving classes and so now I'm like okay let me let me see what's next in education so a huge part of that is me looking at what are people teaching and then using that to kind of adapt and pivot so there is probably a pivot on the horizon for me but but going back to that thing of like it's really your choice like you get to choose this life that you want to create and and what's fun for you and if it's not fun for you like you can ask questions like well what what would it take for this to be fun maybe you need to change your location maybe you need to change the people that you're hanging around with maybe you need to change your skill set um and and or maybe you need to change the you know the technical skill completely whatever that is it's like what would it take for this to be fun and um you know beyond that it's like what actually inspires you like what is it that you want to create and i don't think we ask that question enough and I think connected to everything you just said, you know, go back to where you started in, in that little riff, which education. And I've seen so many people who get stuck, get bored and kind of find their way out of the career. Years later, you know, we're having conversations and I'm like, oh, if I had just gone down another path, if I had just gotten myself inspired, motivated again, took taken some classes. And I think there's a tendency for all of us as humans. So the longer we do anything, the less maybe we think we need education because we kind of know it, you know, we think we know it. Absolutely. I, um, it's funny. I went to a curly hair blonding class recently. One of the, the educators there talked about um, like a different way of, of leaving the hair that it was such a no dumb moment. Like I was like, why have I never thought of that? But it also like fired me up in such an incredible way that I was like, that is brilliant. And it's not even, it was brilliant in the simplicity. I have foiled thousands of heads over the course of my career mm-hmm, so far. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I saw this one thing that was like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. Like I, why didn't I think of that? And so it just, again, was a, a, you know, a, a confirmation for me that, you know, the value of education, exactly what you just said. It doesn't matter how, it's not about how long you've been doing it. It's about, we all, you can put 10 people in the same exact situation and they're all going to see something different. So what, what does someone else see that I just haven't seen? Cause I was busy fixating on something else. And having an attitude, you know, going into whatever you're learning, especially if you've got some experience under your belt that, and I hear this again, so often from people who are committed to, to education throughout their career, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I've taken that, I've done that. I know how to do that, but I always learn something. 
even if it's just, again, that small thing, like you mentioned, it's, and, and they see that, they know that going into that classroom, it's like, oh yeah, I've, I've seen Sam Via teach a hundred times because he's everywhere and he's that good that I always go sit in his class and I always learn something, even if it's just that one thing, that's powerful. And it's, it's always like, so if you're going to a technical skill class, say, you know, you talked about the perfect Bob, or I went to this, you know, wig install class, or um, even if it's a foiling class, it, sometimes it's not just like, it's not necessarily about how they foil the hair. It might be about the way that they position their model so that the class can see it better. Or it might be the other visuals that they use to support their messaging. Like there's so many different components that go into education. So it's like, there's no way, I'm sorry to tell you if you're listening to this, <laughs> there's no way that you've learned everything. So get yourself to a class and and just ask like, what can I learn here? Even if you think you're better than the person I'm speaking to all the egomaniacs out there, which I've been there too. But it's like, even if you're like, oh, I foil better than them or I'm a better hair cutter or whatever. Like, it's about your point of view. How are you, how do you approach that? Like, what can I learn here? What's the information here that I haven't, I haven't seen before. And nine out of 10 people in our industry can always go take a career development class, a business class, um, um, a mindset class, something outside the industry that will inspire you. I mean, there's so much that all of us have to learn in life and career. But I think we can say with certainty in this industry that most do not avail themselves to enough business and career development education, in part because there's not that much of it out there. It always shocks me, but I'm like, you know, 80% of the education that's available to most people in the industry tends to be technical. And you kind of have to look for the business and career development. And, and I say, if you haven't found it, uh, look harder. It's, it's important. For sure. And I think it's, again, um, it depends on where, what your situation is in the beauty industry. But for me, I always look at like, how can I make my business better? Which, and better can be a lot of things like it can be more efficient, more automated, more digitized, more, um, you know, make my user experience easier, smoother, faster, you know, and then yes, of course, like things like inventory and revenue generation, all of those things, but there's always space to create something different. And that was part of, um, you know, the, the energy behind partnership with Vigaro is that um, I wasn't great at digitization. And, and so, and I'm still, you know, I'm still learning and I'm, I'm growing and I was using the software um, and I was really passionate about growing my business, but in partnering with them, it's, it's shown me a lot of spaces where I could be better and do better. Um, and it's, it's opened me up to a world of educators that are doing, or salon owners that are doing things way better than I do. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's so brilliant. Again, it's not like, why didn't I think of that? Or, oh, that's such a cool way to approach that. Um, so you just, you gotta, you gotta ask like what, what's one area of your business that you'd like to improve or shift or change. Um, and if you really want to be humbled, ask your clients. Mm. <laughs> okay. Talk about that for a moment. That's a big idea. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, um, so I'll just give you an example. I moved um, from a like a bigger, it was a suite within like a bigger building, a major company that we all know. Um, and I had a suite there for a couple of years. And when I moved into, I built out a private space. And so when I built out that private space, obviously moved my clientele and the number of clients that came in were like, I'm so glad that you have this space. This feels so much more like you. I didn't like going to that other place. Like there were so, they just, they didn't, it's not that it was a bad experience per se. It just wasn't as comfortable, as welcoming, as warm, as 
as they would have liked, right? Getting from the front door back into my suite. And it's really funny because I was like, why didn't you guys say anything? And they were like, well, we knew that you were planning something else. And so we just like, you know, stuck it out while we needed to. And so what that showed me then is that my clients actually have opinions about my space, about their experience, um, about what they like, what they don't like, you know, from from the the types of chairs, like how comfortable are the chairs? Like, do they, you know, are they comfortable to sit in for long periods of time? Whatever that looks like all the way to like the beverages that are served or, you know, so they have opinions about all of those kinds of things, how easy it is to make an appointment. Um, and if you really want to, if you're willing to like really go and, and be humbled <laughs> and be ready to, to look at your user experience, then ask your clients, like, you know, you can send out a survey or just ask them, um, you know, while they're in the salon, like, Hey, what's something that you love about coming here? And what's maybe something that, that I haven't thought of that you wish maybe I would incorporate into the experience. Um, and just be willing to be humble and receive the information. (laughs) Well, and so valuable. And we don't think about it. I think as an industry, I, I rarely hear this even talked about, but if you take a big step back in life, for most of us. And we think about some of the larger companies, perhaps we do business, whether it's department stores or grocery stores or airlines or hotels. I mean, how often do we get surveys asking us like, what did we think of the experience? It's like a really common part of all of our lives. And these are big and often really smart companies. And so, you know, you kind of think about that for moments like, hmm, what can I learn from that smart company that's sending me these surveys that are short, easy to respond to? I, I feel comfortable responding. I mean, I, I, I think you've hit on such a big, big, important idea, which is you know, it's all about the client. So how they feel matters. Yeah. Well, and I think like it's interesting because um, there are a lot of conversations. I've seen a lot of people talking about like the the value of the experience, right? So what is your what's the perceived value of your experience? And I think people think that means that means that you need to have like gold trays and you know the top of the line coffee, which obviously I would have for you, Gordon. But Thank like you. <laughs> you know, it's like that it needs to be this like really expensive investment, and that's not necessarily true. Like there are things you know, as simple as if you're constantly running 15 minutes behind, like how can you adjust your scheduling so that your guests are not having to wait for so long? Or if they are having to wait, like, do you have a comfortable space for them to wait? Like, is there, you know, if it just can be one chair, it doesn't have to be a, a big, massive separate room, right? It could be like a nice chair and maybe they have a beverage or maybe, you know, they have a magazine or whatever, a, a, a charger for their phone. Like that's a, that is also a major upgrade is like, how many times do your clients come in mine all the time? Like, hey, do you, can I use this phone charger? And I'm like, yeah, it's there for you. Like it's plugged into the wall for you. <laughs> so, you know, there can be, it can be small things. It doesn't have to be big things, but it's that willingness to be thoughtful and think about your guest experience that um, elevates the experience in general. So, you know, my audience, I think knows I'm not a hairdresser, you know, never been a salon owner, but again, been in the industry for a long time, but I'm a consumer, you know, I pay for services. I I enjoy paying for services. I have too much respect for what you all do not to pay for them. I'll tell you as a consumer, the phone charger, it's not small. It's really big. (laughs) It's really big. My hairdresser has, I think, four of them going at all times. I I think it's really big, but I'll tell you something else that's big. When my guy's running behind, I get a text that tells me I'm running behind. And so he's like, hey, I'm I'm sorry, you know, does his apologies, which is, I think, appropriate and lets me know he's going to be about 15 minutes late and says, hey, you know, if you you want to show up 10 minutes later than your appointment, you know, uh, to be safe, go for it. And I appreciate that so much because 
if I sit in the salon and I'm told it's going to be wait, I want to leave and come back at the time. I'm not angry, but it's like, I'm angry if you make me sit there. <laughs> it's just, like, yeah. I, I'm not that person. I don't want to, I have things to do in life. I don't have, I don't have 10 minutes to spare, you know, so. Totally. And that's, I think it's like managing the expectations. And I, I actually, to like full transparency, I have had a, I've lost a client over that where like I was running behind and, um, you know, she was running at a very tight, on a very tight schedule. And um, yeah, it, it, it became a thing. And so um, I think it's, it's, those, like you said, those small things sometimes are bigger than we think. Another thing is like Wi-Fi. I think phone chargers and Wi-Fi are probably yes. like two of the biggest. I have a lot of clients yep. that that work while they're in the, you know, while they're yep. getting their hair done, um, like most people do these days. And so I think being able to have great Wi-Fi for them um, is, you know, it's it's also an added value. And also, I think you know, consider the math of every client. So my hairdresser has an understanding of that. We talk about it because he knows what I, what I do. Um, he didn't know for two years because I try not to tell people what I do. You know, so it took me a couple of years. I've been with him for quite a while now. Um, but he and I've talked about the value of an individual client to give you a little bit of motivation, perhaps to pay more attention. So I'm worth like $1,000 a year in service revenue to a salon. That's just what I spend. And I, I go every two weeks like clockwork and, um, and he's got me trained. And by the way, I didn't go every two weeks before him. So that's another conversation, his little yeah. tips yeah. and tricks, but he's got yeah. me down and I, <laughs> and if I, for any reason, am looking like I might not show up, I get a text. But he's considered that, okay, this guy's worth a thousand bucks. So I am going to pay attention because if I lose him, you know, how many other guys are worth that? He, and probably three quarters of his clients are men. So yeah, I, I think that's really powerful to have that kind of understanding of value to you and your business financially of each client. Yeah. And I think also when you look at that, even as simple as telling your client, thank you so much. Thank you for coming to me. Yes. You can go anywhere. and. You know, I may not always do your hair perfectly, but I enjoy being with you. And I'm so grateful that you come and that you enjoy being with me. And, you know, thank you for spending your money here. Um, it goes a really long way. <laughs> Especially today, you know, this, so many of us consumers, we feel like customer service generally in America is in the toilet in every, from every angle. It doesn't mean every single business we, we go to, you know, isn't toilet when it comes to customer service, but those who provide great customer service, boy, do they stand out. And I think that's one of the reasons, you know, not the only reason, but one of the reasons to do what you're talking about is to, to stand out. The other is to, to truly be gracious and have gratitude. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think too, it's like, it's easy to say thank you in the moment, but also like, what is your pre-appointment? customer service look like? What does your during the appointment customer service look like? And then also what's your post-appointment customer service look can like? I, can I add to that? What does your approach to rebooking look like? If, if my guy ever forgets to rebook me, it rarely happens, but you know, it's just kind of like, you know, he's already moved on in his head perhaps to the next thing. I don't know, but I'm like, huh, wait, you have to rebook me. I appreciate, I appreciate being rebooked. And I think there's a lot of confusion in the industry about that. I don't think we focus on this enough. Again, if a person doesn't want to rebook, fine. But I think a lot of us appreciate you taking a moment, especially if you frame it relative to the quality of what's on our head every single day, because after a bit, it, the quality's not there anymore. 
Right. Absolutely. And I think the, so for me, um, I definitely am guilty of often like having a million things going on at once. I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible multitasker, but I keep trying. Um, and one of the things that I do is like, so for example, during a color service, while the guest is processing, I'll say, okay, let's look at your next appointment. Like, so today here's what, you know, this is going to look like. Let's, you know, based on your goals in the consultation, which I do with every single guest every time, uh, what, you know, like here's what we can do next time. Um, or based on your budget, here's when would be a good time to come in. Here would be the cost associated with that. So it happens consistently. The majority of my guests are rebooking guests. I get, you know, I get quite a few referrals from existing clients, but most it's so rare. My books are full of rebooked clients. Like I can look six weeks out, eight weeks out, and I know exactly what my who's coming to see me, what we're going to be doing, and you know whether I have space for someone else. That's great. I mean, it's a it's a testament to the good work that you're doing and all the stuff around it that we just talked about. All right, this is a a fairly short thirty minute podcast. Although I think thirty minutes is a sweet spot these days for podcasts. But uh, I I want to give you that final question I ask every guest, which is your best advice for our audience. And again, we're focusing on having that you know long, successful, sustainable, and satisfying career. So, best advice, Paula Peralta. I think one of the piece, the best piece of advice that I would give is to remember that people might be doing the same thing that you're doing, but they're not you. And you are the valuable product in this industry. And while there are so many people that are specialists and maybe tech, you have technical skills to work on or whatever that is, like your a lot of your value is is you. <laughs> um, you you showing up authentically is fundamental to the success of of your business, whatever direction you go in, whether it's on set or behind the chair. Um, it's so easy to compare, and just like we talked about at the beginning, wrap, get wrapped up in the highlight reel of someone else. Um, but the more you know you, and the more you take care of you as you show up to you know do haircuts and blonding services and podcasts and stage presentations, like you staying grounded in who you are and what's authentic to you and, and keeping it real is, is more valuable, I think, than, than anything. One of my favorite things to do is, is just talk to people like me, people who go to salons and pay for services. And I do it on airplanes and I do it whenever I'm stuck around people. Um, they're trapped. They have to talk to me and, and, and share, <laughs> share what they think. And I, family members and friends, and I can say with great confidence that if you're getting repeat business, more than likely it has more to do with you than what you do. And, and you know, as a consumer, we don't really understand much about what's on our head. We, but we really understand how you make us feel. And I just think it kind of trumps everything else. Now, if you do bad hair on me, you know, repeatedly, I'm probably not going to come back. But the you part of the equation, I would say is, you know, three, four, five times more important than the, te than the technical work. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, don't get me wrong. You still have to keep working on the technical. Yes. But, but even as a young hairdresser starting out, like I had so much anxiety. And if I would have realized early on, like, just keep showing up, just keep showing up, engaging, be a great conversationalist, make someone feel amazing, spend a few extra minutes on the, the scalp massage at the, the wash house, mm -hmm. right? Like all of those things make a huge difference in, in the overall experience and, and the value, the perceived value truly. Paula, tell people where they can find you, where they can follow you. 
Amazing. Well, if you would like to check out the Paulo Peralta show, it is available on YouTube in a video format as well as Spotify in video. And then anywhere else you get your podcasts, you can listen to the audio format. Um, I'm also the Paula Peralta on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, but Instagram, TikTok are like probably my two social media platforms that I'm most active on. Um, and I do have a website, paulaperalta.com. But just hit me up on IG, slide into those DMs. I'd love to hear what you're doing in the world and the industry and, and uh, cheer you on. Just do it. Connect with Paula. Connect Just with Paula. Paula, thank you for being here so much. Thank you so much, Gordon. It's always a pleasure, but truly more than that, it's an honor. So wow. <laughs> thank you for thank you for just always being such a great cheerleader and support and mentor and friend. I'll I'll right back at you. To the audience, I say follow Paul. Also, be sure to follow Beautycast Network over on Instagram and Facebook. If you like what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a rating and or review. Um, It helps others to to find the podcast, you know, so pay it forward, hit the subscribe button, share it with a colleague. Um, And um, finally, as always, we appreciate you so much for listening in. This has been the Mastering Beauty podcast from Beautycast Network. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for new episodes. I'm Gordon Miller, and I cannot wait to share more again with you next time. Bye, everyone.